Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Duane. Yes, sir, and I brought a special guest with me. Look who's back. It's Anthony. Hey, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? Good. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing all right. Just got some moment. We're back in school now, man. So, you know, these these things, they got to be at specific times if you want to have the best. I'm starting to think that we we need to have uh, like agents for our for our podcast hosts, so that way I can coordinate schedules with everybody. <laughs> That's right. I feel like our marketing and analytics department is really dropping the ball when it comes to this now. Yeah, well, we lost our, our lead, like, uh, marketing and analytics person. So that's why we've yeah. been struggling recently. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. So uh, this week, uh, recreational soccer started, which both Anthony and Duane oversee from a director of coaching perspective. How was – and I will give you my parent feedback afterwards because I was a parent in the recreational program this week. Uh, but how was the first week of rec? I thought it went pretty well, you know. Um, you know, the majority of our players do play rec. So it was good to finally have, you know, the majority of club is back in action between rec and travel. So it was good to have everybody out. Um, people just have to get – you can just tell people got to get used to this new normal. Yeah, got to keep social distancing, got to keep wearing the mask, got to make sure only one, one parent or spectator per, per player shows up. So that's extremely important. Uh, yeah, it's just – it, it was just it was just fun, you know, right? Just fun's the only word to describe it. You get out to Silver Lake, you get out to MV, you see literally teams, kids just out there having a blast, parents rooting and cheering their kids on. It's 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 really, really loud, you know. So it, it was nice to just have that back and seeing everybody back in the environment that they love. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what was really cool was we started the discovery program that was on Saturday and then we had it uh, Tuesday and last night as well. Right. So I can tell you from a parent perspective and I got my wife's honest feedback and I sent it to you, Anthony. Yeah. Um, it, she loved it. She absolutely loved it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, basically the discovery program is hard to not love, right? It's like, it's the perfect amount of soccer teaching and learning soccer skill um, with having fun and making the kids actually want to be on the field, right? So th there's there's not as much of like the uh, individual specific coaching. You know, we we throw a whole bunch of games in there. Um, you know, while, while teaching, you know, these soccer moves, but it's impossible to not love and watch these twos and threes and fours and five year olds just have a blast kicking the soccer ball around. And and for the twos and the threes to get the parents involved, it's it's almost like they're out there having a great time too. You know, it's 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 a special program. Yeah, my my wife loved it. My daughter loved it. They uh, it was funny. My wife said when uh, when Kyle started the the, the session, they're like, oh, she's like, why are we running like back and forth, or why are we doing certain things? And they're like, and then she's like, once they got to the next activity where it related back to the previous one. And they involved the ball with it. She was like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. Like, for a kid, these are the building blocks for them to be able to have this different steps instead of just telling them, dribble from one side to the other. No, like, there's got to be a step, which is fantastic. I think that's one of the main reasons why we talked about having a coaching staff for yeah. the discovery program. 
And, and, and if you look at kind of like how we, how we teach scrimmaging for in the past, it has been just a lot of, okay, here's your practice. You go out on Saturday and you run around. There's this, just this huge clump of kids, you know, if it's four V four, it's eight kids in like a five by five space running into each other, you know, uh, just colliding for, for one soccer ball, you know, with, with the, the older session, you know, it, it, doing like an inner squad scrimmage for the last 15 minutes, it kind of allows us to actually teach, okay, when you're kicking in, let's look to spread out immediately. Right. All right. We can do things with two balls or three balls so that people can realize the, the importance of spreading out and finding open space, which is pretty critical for a young age. When you start learning that at a young age, you know, it's, it's easier to teach from a travels pr- perspective when they make that switch, um, you know, as they get a little bit older. So you know, it, it's it's a really good, fun program, and we're really happy with the way the first week went. Yeah, no, I'm really excited for the for the future of it and what's what's to come. We're here today with Jamie Beamer Halsey, or Beamer as I like to call her. She is from Colorado. She's our third guest from Colorado. She works at the Fort Collins Soccer Club Arsenal. For she's the director of coaching for the Recreational Girls. Beamer, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. So Beamer and I met uh, probably five years ago, five, six years ago, when our buddy Fields Brown, who has been on the podcast before, moved to Colorado. So I met Beamer, uh, I think the same, one of the same days that she met Fields too, or not too long after that. I think I put put, you to work right away. Yeah, Beamer put (laughs) me to work. (laughs) I was in Colorado for less than 24 hours and I was already coaching uh, and I still have my Arsenal hoodie, which I wear every nice. once in a while. So very excited for that. <laughs> so tell us, tell us about your role at Fort Collins. What, what do you do at the Fort Collins Soccer Club? Um, well, I guess my official role would be director of coaching um, and player development for our recreational side. Um, my emphasis is on the girls as well as we have a player development league, which is specifically for our U9s and U10s. Um, and I oversee the girls side of that. Um, I have a coworker who kind of helps me on the rec side and oversees the boys side. Um, typically in a non-pandemic year, we'd average about 350 to 400 recreational teams, anywhere from U4 to U18, and that includes our U9, U10, PDL. Um, right now, the numbers aren't as high, obviously, because there's a lot going on that are, is obviously out of our control. Um, So overseeing coaches, um, coaching development, coaching education, um, you know, player development on the field, off the field. Um, So we're kind of like a jack of all trades, tournaments, you know, all things considered just underneath that umbrella of recreational soccer. And one of the things, and you and I have had this conversation before, because at one point we we were looking at the same side of out of the clubs where when I got to Delaware Union and where you're doing at Arsenal and uh, the recreational program in general so important as a foundation in general for any club and Dwayne who's one of our recreational directors as well uh, what how important is a recreational program and how important is it for clubs to have people in charge of the recreational programs that have a high soccer background and a high development background when it comes to sports um, I think it's important. I mean, the grassroots is, is everything. It's kind of like a feeder league, in other words, you know. Um, I think it's important because we have these kids who are coming in through our recreational program, whether it's U4 
or maybe, you know, just starting in our like PDL league, which is U9, that player development league that I mentioned before. And it gives the, us as directors an opportunity to sort of um, instill or implement like what would we consider maybe the Arsenal way. So our curriculum, um, you know, uh, how we want our players to play. So our, our culture, for example, and that goes for both on and off the field. So it could be, you know, we emphasize a lot to our coaches, you know, we have our players attention, um, you know, even at the ages of seven, eight and nine, you know, so what are we doing with that attention? You know, yes, we're going to teach them ball skills development. We're going to follow our curriculum that we have painstakingly written and rewritten over and over as the game evolves. <laughs> you know, what about them being better people? What about teaching them about, you know, game management, you know, um, uh, what they're eating before games, even at the age of six, seven, and eight, you know, are we having a good breakfast, you know, things like that. So I think getting those kids in early and just, you know, having the opportunity to teach them all about the game, not just what's happening during the hours of practice or during that hour of the game, um, but having, you know, the ability to be able to, through our coaches, um, as well as, you know, directors right on the field, to instill a culture, a full lifestyle of how it could look. And it, and it would pertain to any sport, in my opinion, or, you know, if the habits are good, which is what we're trying to instill, maybe that goes into the classroom as well. Maybe it's at home at the dinner table. You know, maybe we're taking initiative and we're helping mom and dad with chores or things like that. That's the type of thing that I feel like we have the ability to do, um, you know, because soccer is teaching us more, you know, even in, in the older ages, it's more, you know, what's happening off the field than it is just happening on the field, right? We're going to be people way longer than we're ever going to be players. Right. So for us, at least for me personally, after being at Arsenal for, I don't know, I think I'm going on 17 years. Um, it's taken me a while, but I've realized that, you know, it's, a, it's just an enormous opportunity um, to really be able to have this community and it's the audience is a tight knit audience as far as where we are in Fort Collins and, you know, it's just, it's a great opportunity to be able to just influence the kids in the community. And I've seen it. I've seen it with coaches firsthand. I've seen it with myself. Um, and it's pretty cool. I mean, it's definitely rewarding, that's for sure. So do you think, well, I, first of all, I love the fact that you're focusing on the idea of developing the players on and off the field. That's something we, we talk about constantly at okay. Delaware Union. And obviously there's a, there's a reason why you're, you're on the podcast as well. We, we like to bring like-minded people into our conversations. Um, so is there a time that you think is, is the prime time for a player to move from the recreational side of the game into the travel side or the more competitive side of the, of the club? Our travel, and it may just, the verbiage may be different between Delaware, obviously, and, and Colorado, as far as East Coast and, you know, and our division back here. Um, but at U9, so so typically that's, well, without the birth year, that's about fourth grade, let's say, third or fourth graders is what we are um, considering our player development league. For the longest time, we had them coming in at U10, but but lately, the last, I think, six years now, it's been U9. Um, our original pilot program started with the current O6s that are U15. So when they were U9, they were our first U9 travel. And I would say for at least the last six years, I've been getting away with calling it semi-competitive, right? Um, so for for that the age it depends on the, on on the kid it depends on their emotional intelligence um, it depends on their coachability their focus all of those things so I have found average you know age 
Um, most kids are ready to learn some of those habits at U9. So for example, what I was saying before, as far as like the culture, right? So it's pretty simple that when we show up to a game, you know, we want it to look uh, uniform, you know, there's a game management piece there, right? So for recreational, you may have parents on the same sidelines. Kids may come off the field and want to go sit in the lap of their parents, right? At six, seven, eight. Once we get to U9, you know, coaches and players are on one side. It's not looking like a garage sale on the sideline anymore. You know, there's a team bench, you know, I want my subs to be listening to me. Mom and dad are on the other side. So I found that U9 were capable here and there, and it takes, you know, like kind of kid gloves, right? You, you, you know, you take three steps forward, Dwayne, I'm sure you, you probably have felt this on the rec world, you take three steps forward and then all of a sudden you're taking five or six back because of the age of, of the player and the child. Um, but I think around U9, right now where we are with our current U9s, the fall season, with or without a pandemic, it's always a little rough. But I have found going into that spring season of U9, I mean, you know, it's a year-long program for us, just same as it would be yeah. for competitive. So for us, that second season, I mean, they're, they're trained, right? I mean, they understand what to do when they show up you know, the behavior, if there is any, as far as them kind of, you know, being distracted at practice or messing around with their friends, that's over with. So the expectation is there. And I think the kids really enjoy it. I think kids want to please naturally, you know, they just, there has to be expectations for them. I think kids, you know, crave discipline. They may not admit that, but right. I do think that they, you know, they want, they want to please you. So if you know what the expectation is, they want to exceed it, but you just have to let them know. And I think that third, fourth grade, but you'll know if the kid's not ready. It's pretty obvious, right? Because yeah. you're on the phone with mom and dad wondering why they're not following. And then you can always tail back. But I think, you know, long answer, sorry. Um, that third, fourth grade year um, is just when, you know, they've, they've become a little bit more independent at school, at home. And, you know, so far for us for the last five years, it's been a good choice. Um, you get two full years before you would then go into competitive soccer just because they don't play in our PDL, they can stay wrecked. You know, we've got kids that don't cross over until U12. I think it just depends on the player, but so far in the last five or six years for that third, fourth grade year, it seems like it's been a good fit for us. Yeah. And we, and we've, we found the sim, we found a similar, a similar idea this, this year, partially because we've done research with, with other clubs that the the focus at U9 and U10 has to really be on a transitional, almost a transitional model between the recreational side and then what's ultimately known as the travel side or competitive or however you want to call it there. But, and we have a, we have a, we have one of our, he's not on the podcast today, but one of our directors, Anthony, he's in charge of our juniors program now. And, and part of his role is to, and he was actually talking to a parent last night about his role is to, ease the transition from the recreational side to the, to the travel side. So that's a difference between I'm coaching the 2010 girls team, for example, and my level of expectation for them at U 11 girls is, is different than the level of expectation that we have for our U nine and U 10 team, because at this point they've been in it for a year or two years. They, they know exactly what we're doing, what the travel, like, like actual physically traveling from one, one game to another is. And, and things like that. We're in a league. We play more tournaments. There's a little of expectation even on the on the sideline. So, but it's a huge difference, not only financially, but emotionally. And 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 we talked about, you know, kids need to structure. And the structure, maybe the checklist of what is expected of you at the recreational level 
is the, the checklist is a little bit shorter, but the checklist as you move up and as you get older, the checklist becomes bigger. So to transition into somebody, because I think if not, the checklist goes from like two or three things that you have to do at the recreation mm -hmm. level to like 15, 20 things that you got to do even before you just show up to practice. Absolutely. And that could just be like um, the number of training sessions per week and how long yeah. they are and, and really how much attention or focus would need to go to, you know, soccer in general, when before maybe they could just roll up and, you know, practice starts at 4.30, you know, mom's pulling into the parking lot at 4.25, but, you know, with PDL or, or you know, what you guys would consider, I guess, your juniors program before travel, um, you know, you're expected, you know, early is on time and on time is late, you know, little right. things like that as far as building that culture of respect for your team and the game and your coach and all those things, you know. Plus, I think for us, a huge difference between recreational and PDL is that it's a year-long commitment. It's a year-long roster. We would, we would reshuffle um, those teams from the fall to the spring. So you, you probably would be on the same team as like one or two or maybe three of your classmates because they're by school. But once you get to kind of PDL and to that next semi-competitive where we're bridging the gap a little bit, then it's by, you know, teams are formed by ability. You're getting a coach that is licensed and held accountable by me. Um, so there is definitely those little, like you were saying, that checklist. And without that PDL bridge or without that juniors bridge for you guys, I think it would honestly be shocking to some oh, yeah. of the parents, both pocketbook and commitment-wise, in my opinion. Well, because not only is it, it's not only, I think this is the part where I think we're moving in that direction and, I, and I'm seeing it as a trend across the board where everybody always was like, all right, we got to do more to train our players, train our players, you know, you know, we, U.S. soccer switched to the play practice play model a couple yeah. years ago, but there hasn't been a ton of attention, at least from, at least from my perspective on, on, you know, U.S. soccer, U.S. youth soccer, U.S. club, maybe U.S. club a little bit more at times on the, on the family um, family engagement part of it because mm -hmm. not only do we have to train our players and we train our coaches to be able to train our players there there's a huge piece that's training parents you know you have to train the behavior of because the kids don't drive themselves clearly at nine and ten years old so you have to train like you said not show up five minutes before practice starts mm -hmm. in a game 45 minutes means it's usually going to take you five to 10 minutes just to get out of the car, which is why we ask you to, because if you just showed up 30 minutes before your game and you pull into the parking lot, you're probably missing 10 or 15 minutes of your warm up. because as they get older, kids don't, don't wear their cleats or wearing flip-flops or whatever. What's the nutrition? Oh, we got 5.30 practice? Great. I'm going to stop by Chick-fil-A or whatever at five o'clock and just stuff you with a burger so that way you're good and ready. Like there's a whole family engagement and family education part of it that's now I think becoming in part of having a transitional program like your PDL or our juniors program is that is because mm -hmm. if not the and you said it earlier you only play soccer for a certain amount of time and the majority of the players stop playing when they're 18 if not earlier but the majority of them stop at that point so can we develop habits that will ultimately last for longer because at, yes. the, at, the end, at the end of the day, we don't know if that kid that right now is nine and 10 years old later on has kids and then they pass on the same values that you instilled in them. And maybe their kid becomes the next Alex Morgan, Messi or, or whoever. Sure. And I think that's, Absolutely. That, I think that's, that's incredible that like the, 
and I love the fact that you guys are taking attention to that because I think that's extremely important. I think parents sometimes see it and maybe not at nine and 10 or maybe even on the recreational side, but I've absolutely seen on the competitive side where, um, you know, they feel, and, and rightfully so, I mean, they're the, they're the owners of the team because they're paying, right? Right. Um, but I think a lot of times coaches right away or maybe clubs or, or staff or whatever you want to call them, um, tries to kind of like put themselves on an island with the team and kind of shuns the parents and just says, you know, okay, drop them off, pick them up on time, you know, tell them what to eat or, you know, make them something to eat and then tell them I love watching you play and that's it. When really they have that player's ear, obviously, a lot longer than we do as coaches. And they know their kid better than anybody. I'm not, you know, I can't contest that or argue that. So if we are not training or educating the parents as to what my mantra is or what our curriculum is or really what, not that even that there is an end game, just enjoy the journey. And this is what, and there's going to be setbacks because they see themselves, their kids as, and the money that they're paying as an investment towards the future. But what that investment to them means is that they don't have to pay for college. more often than not when really you know okay so what is the percentage of kids that actually go on and get a full ride i I don't know that to be perfectly honest with you but it can't be as many kids as we have playing right now no right definitely not. so if we bring the parents in if we educate them and if we you know you can communicate through email all you want if somebody doesn't want to read it they don't have to read it you know but i think having the knowledge out there and allowing the parents to be a part of the situation. They are absolutely just as important as me as a coach. They're just as important as their kid. Um, you know, and, and they are a huge psychological piece as to what is happening. Because if you have a bad game, if you have game anxiety, if there's something going on in your personal life and you have, you know, if, if it's just not your day or whatever it is, that parent has the ability to be able to continue whatever your mantra is, right? On the way home from practice, you know, on the way to the game or whatever it is. But a lot of times it's more, you know, them coaching and the kid just wants to get out of the car at the red light and walk home, you know, because right. mom and think they're a coach now, you know, but if coaches and, and, and clubs do a better job of just allowing the parents in a little bit more, not to make, you know, coaching decisions or anything like that, but to help make decisions as to how my player can get the best out of this experience. It's the same thing with school with like back to school night, right? With parent right. back to school night. It's the same exact thing. I need to know how your kid ticks and works so that this way I know exactly how uncomfortable I can make them, you know, so I can start building them up and making them even more comfortable when they first showed up. Um, and without the parents, I mean, it's like you might as well put some blindfolds on. Right. No, for sure. And I think that's, well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we talked about it when we've had a paradigm shift, like we, we had some coaches in the club before that would in the first parent meeting would go, all right, you drop your kid off and you can watch from the parking lot. Don't cross the, fence line basically i i actually go the opposite i'm like listen if you had a question ask me you want to sit next to you want to stand right next to me at training and listen to exactly what i'm telling your kid go ahead right Mm -hmm. like and i almost do it i almost do it on purpose just to see if anybody i've done it for five years no one's ever taking me up on standing right next to me at practice um but it's also but i think it's also part of the communication i think it's how much information do you give the parents instead of telling them nothing i tell them everything like I set goals for the weekend. Hey, listen, and I just sent an email from my 2010 and my 2008 girls team. Here's what we're looking for for this weekend. It has nothing to do with us winning or losing. It just has to do with like, here are the three things we're going to try to do. And if we do these, we have a higher percentage chance of winning than losing. And then on Monday, I'm going to send you a recap. Did we meet those goals or not? And here's what we're going to do at training. 
and that eliminates the 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 idea of like oh why is this why is this guy not playing my daughter why is uh mm-hmm. why why is she playing as a left back she's supposed to be a striker or, or whatever the case is like it eliminates all those things because it's not only is it the individual player development but it's a team development aspect of it um so i think that's that's really cool because again you and i think very similarly when it comes to that stuff because we've had these conversations before so that's yeah, I mean, I think that they have more knowledge about the player than I do. And my whole goal right away is to get to know my players as quickly as I possibly can. And without the parents, it's just going to take longer. Yeah, I can completely know? agree, too. We, uh, like, we had a parent that asked, like, what do I do with my kid? We kind of had the conversation. We were open about it. We figured out, you know, we were kind of coaching the kid the wrong way. Like, the stuff we were saying, the way we said it to the kid, it just didn't click. And we had the conversation with the parent. The parents investigated a conversation with the kid. And now the past, like, three weeks, we've seen, like, a major change in the kid, just the way we just speak to the kid, the way we give the kid instructions. We now have other players complimenting this kid. Like, obviously they should, but, like, more on purpose. And now that when this kid has made, like, a complete 180 after a year and a half, that he's now shot up in three weeks more than he has in a year and a half. That's awesome. Well, and I think that's part of the idea of the individual player development within it. They're not just a number in the back of the jersey. I mean, and Beamer, you said it. It's, it's, is that there is no, there is no salute, there is no perfect answer as to what age a kid should move from rec to travel, right? Or to PDL or, or the next level of it. The, the part of it is the emotional intelligence and being able to evaluate each kid individually. It's not, oh, well, this kid can juggle a hundred times at nine years old and the ball doesn't drop there clearly should be playing. No, like it's a whole, it's, it's more than that. There, there's a whole entire process. Cause there's, again, we'd look at the four pillars of the game and it's not all juggling, 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 juggling. <laughs> there's a leadership piece to it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Because some kids and, and, and I found this before too. And Dwayne, Dwayne knows the player I'm talking about. I've found players that have a great leadership mindset. They just don't know how to express it on the field. So sometimes it comes off negative more than positive. And that takes coaching. That takes, Absolutely. that takes talking to the parents. Listen, I'm not trying to tell your kid not to be encouraging or your, to other players and the, or her, hers or her teammates. What I'm trying to get them to do is turn it into a positive message. So that way the team rallies behind that player. Right. That's a coachable moment just as much as if there was a bad decision-making moment on the field, you know, as far as dribble, shoot, or pass, you know, and, and for you to be able to recognize that, um, you know, shows that you're putting the player first, um, you know, meaning their mindset first, right. Or their leadership skills or them as a person before they are as a player, which in my opinion is what they are, you know, I mean, so you can't lose sight of that because then I think it ends up kind of just being like more of a dictatorship where the coach shows up and you're going to get in line and you're going to play this system regardless. And I'm going to, you know, maybe stuff it down your throat. And then that's where kids sort of are like, eh, he's not letting me express myself. He's not really at the end of the day, that's what the coach is doing. That's why. And then mom and dad get on top of them or whatever. And then all of a sudden it becomes a job or it becomes work and it's no longer fun. You know, because they're not getting a chance to express creativity or their personality, which is what this game is really all about at the end of the day. And if you're not feeling free or able to do that on the field, well, you know, something has gone wrong. <laughs> no, for sure. You're, okay. you're, abs- you're 100% right. All right. So, Beamer, we're going to dive a little bit into your, you as a person. Because, uh, again, okay. Are you sure? I, I'm excited. I'm excited <laughs> to find out some of these answers. All right. Oh, 
So how did you get started in coaching soccer in general? Uh, well, I started playing when I was 11, which I guess is late these days. But for me, I don't know. I mean, I played baseball until they told me I was a girl and had to play softball at the age of 12. So I decided that that wasn't right. And I decided that I was going to play soccer after that. You grew up, you grew up not too far from where we are, right? No, no. I grew up on Long Island. So that's pretty close to you guys, closer than Colorado, at least. For sure. Um, when I was 17, um, I got involved with, I guess it's still called like Long Island Junior Soccer League, I would assume. Um, I think it still exists, but you know, like our like state select ODP program. Um, I had been playing since I was 12 within that program. Um, but then, I don't know, like a coaching job came up. I was an assistant coach. So when I was like 17, it was like the first time that I had been on a sidelines, you know, as an assistant coach kind of seeing the game from the other side. I think it was like an 11 or 12 year old select ODP group. Um, and I saw the influence almost immediately that I had with the players, but it was more like player to player. It wasn't right. so much like mentor. Um, I think I just liked the fact that they probably thought I was cool. I was 17, they were 11 or 12 and they were coming up and I could actually still play with them. And I also am looking back thinking, well, the coach that I was with probably didn't want to do all the running around and demonstrating. So that was my job, which I obviously took willingly and lovingly. Um, but yeah, I was about 17 or 18 when I first got my first kind of taste of, of what it was like to have to maybe explain the game or demonstrate and not just go out and, and do it, um, which was different for me, you know, for sure. But um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it right away, both sides of it. You know, the fact that I could kind of like um, spread my infinite wisdom all over them, whether they asked or not. <laughs> Which is, um, listen, I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten some of those infinite wisdom talks before from mm -hmm. Beamer, and uh, they're, they're pretty magical. Uh, I appreciate that. Pretty magical. You get me on a good day, maybe like a little later in the day, um, like <laughs> after 12 o'clock, 1 p.m., you know? <laughs> Very wisdomy at those times. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, this, is one of our, this is one of our favorite questions because uh, it started with Dwayne. And the fact that Dwayne worked at Hollister for 48 hours. Um, nice, dude. Uh, 48 we, hours. You made it. <laughs> yeah. uh, we had Fields who uh, was trying to do construction, which we all know that wasn't going to work. Uh, so we've had, we've had some different, we've had some different. Uh, so what other jobs out or what other job, like pick one, if you've had multiple job outside of soccer that, is interesting or weird or strange or funny that you maybe want to share with us? Have you had? Um, I've had a, well, it's funny, you know, that when I first read that question, it was funny because I was like, wow, a lot of what I have done as far as, you know, received some sort of financial, you know, compensation has to do with soccer and or <laughs> coaching. Um, uh, I have been a substitute teacher for some time. Um, both in Virginia before I moved out here and also here in Colorado when I moved out here 18 years ago. Um, my most recent non-soccer job before I started at, well, I, I worked a little bit at UNC, um, not UNC in North Carolina, but UNC in Northern Colorado here for the women's <laughs> team. Um, but I was a mortgage broker, which you probably don't know. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I learned a little bit. You know, my parents were an example of what not to do financially growing up. So I learned a little bit about my, you know, my own portfolio and how to improve it and things like that. But I think a good funny story is, sorry, that was my son. Um, when I was in high school, 
um, I valet parked cars at a beach club um, pretty close to where I grew up. And, you know, we got to drive Lamborghinis and Porsches and things like that. So one thing that maybe not everybody knows about me is that I, I enjoy like these um, cars going fast, things like that. Not in my own neighborhood in Fort Collins, um, <laughs> but in general. Um, so, you know, people, I, I probably shouldn't admit this, but people, you know, were in the party and whatnot. And there were times where we may or may not have gone out in the parking lot and just made sure that they, everything was fine. Or maybe we had to move their car from one location to another location because that spot wasn't good enough. So uh, there was a funny time, though, where um, it can get pretty windy down at the beach at times, not hurricane style, but pretty windy. And the little board that all the keys went on fell. So we had no idea what car belonged to what key at that point. So people were coming out of the party and they all want their cars, right? So what we had to do, which I actually broke a sweat that night, we took the keys and we didn't want to admit that we were unorganized, right? So I would run through the parking lot and press the alarm off of the, you know, the alarm button off, off of the keychain, and just find out when the car started to, you know, beep and the alarm went off, we would run and just go get it. It turned into a little bit of an ordeal, but we got it done for the night, but it was, it was pretty cool. But that was in high school. That, that's pretty cool for high school, though. That's It, it was fun. That, that, I mean, I haven't gotten to drive a, I didn't drive any like really cool race cars or anything like that or, uh, performance cars when I was in high school. I, I, I haven't done it yet either, but, uh, definitely not in high school. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I turned 40, um, last year, Dwayne, I know I don't look a year over like 32. I know I get that a lot. Um, but my husband surprised me and we went to Vegas and he bought me like 16 laps with a Lamborghini around a racetrack in Vegas. I got the car up to about 211 miles an hour. Hands down, best experience of my life. Well, I should say giving birth to my two kids. <laughs> anyway, it was awesome. It was on the bucket list since I was probably like 15. It was amazing. Anybody who wants to drive fast, go to Vegas. Exotic cars. It was awesome. That's awesome. And, and, I, and I know Beamer is a pretty active person in general. You, you like yeah, you, you like to you like to do a lot of like things that I don't like to do because I like to just sit there and do nothing. But uh, I would prefer to kids don't allow that. I know that's what I'm finding out. Yeah, <laughs> well, welcome. It's welcome, exhausting. Welcome to the chaos. It's exhausting. <laughs> um, that's an understatement. So, what? Who are your three favorite soccer players? Um, my all-time favorite player is Michelle Akers, hands down. I'm glad that both of you know who she is because I yeah. know I'm older than both of you. Uh, the woman was an absolute beast, number one. Um, current player, I would say like Tobin Heath. I like her, you know, and yes, I'm going to pick all women. Do you guys see my sweatshirt I'm wearing? Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> women's national team is legit and it always has been, but Tobin Heath is an exciting player. I mean, I know she just went overseas. But she's, you know, when she gets the ball, things are going to happen. And what I really like about her in the women's game, you don't see a lot of players taking players on one versus one and, like, really using, like, skill, right? And passing is a great way to get the ball down the field, no doubt. I mean, it's the fastest way, obviously. But, like, as far as, like, crowd entertainment, right, and, like, making sure the audience is on the edge of their seat, I mean, Mia Hamm, when she got the ball, everybody stood up because yeah. we knew something was about to happen. And I just feel like that same energy with Tobin. Um, my last player is probably my daughter. 
her name is Sydney. Last name Halsey, no hyphen, no Beamer for her, except she is Beamer's little kid on the field. But <laughs> she's nine and she is in our program as well. Um, but yeah, she's fun to watch too. Way to she go, Sid. Like I did. What's that? Way to go, Way to go Sid. Yeah. That's awesome. Proud mama. You got to get those highlights uploaded to YouTube so we can have our players research. Yeah. I'm on Wall of Fame. Okay. Yeah. I'll work we, on that. We will, we will definitely put, we will put, definitely put Sydney on there. <laughs> um, if you had to coach a different sport, what would it be? Um, if I had to, <laughs> um, I actually played four years of varsity basketball, so I'd probably be a little bit more comfortable coaching basketball. Um, but I don't know. I mean, again, like I, th I kind of see any kind of like sports endeavor um as more like i don't know i just first think of like the psychological piece the mental piece right so like strategically i don't think i could like teach like water polo i would learn what i could from the players as far as the rules and how it works and you know maybe how to get an edge up on your opponent or something but for me it's like psychological i would always i think i could go into any kind of forum depending on what level i'm coaching obviously and just say okay you know are we ready what's the psychological piece you know can i prepare them mentally which i think i would be pretty confident in doing regardless of what it is um, but the kind of the X's and the O's, I mean, water polo is probably a great example. I mean, I'm not the best swimmer, but like I could keep <laughs> myself above water, but I wouldn't know. I could not demonstrate. Let's say that. Well, I don't think um, a water polo coach, I've, I mean, I've watched, I've watched, uh, I watched the water polo at the Olympics and I don't, I don't I've never seen the coach in the water. So well, that's good because so that go. would be bad. And no, I mean, I think, I don't think you'd have to be in the water to be a water polo coach. Well, that's good. And I don't even know how they hear you if they're, oh, well, I guess they're not all underwater, but I don't know. No. I would say basketball would probably be my most comfortable, but again, you know, I mean, if my kids wanted to basket weave, I would coach that team. I'll do whatever they want to do. There you go. All right. So a three, five, two. Now this is, I, and I was thinking about this question. So obviously you're a soccer coach, but from what I know, you usually coach you like 9v9 9v9 yeah so but but we can adjust it if we need to but a 352 or a 433 um i mean right away it depends like my first inclination would be to can i do i get to see like the athletic caliber of my team <laughs> no because i think that depends on personnel um, you know, like, as, as we all know, you know, so the teams hopefully are made up of artists and, you know, soldiers. So the artists are going to be down the middle, right? Yep. All the soldiers are going to be, um, on the flanks. So it depends on how many of those I have. I'm a traditional, probably old school coach, just because of my age. Um, I mean, there are times where I still call you know, my outside media halfback. I mean, don't tell anybody else that, but <laughs> I probably get dinged for that. But I would say a four-three-three, just because I don't know. I mean, it's nice to have an insurance policy, and if I've got some athletes, we could always send one send one up. As far as you know, you know, let them join in the attack. Uh, so there's five minutes left in the game. Your team is up one nothing. Do you go for that second goal, or are you parking the bus? Uh, is this like a state cup final? <laughs> it can be whatever you want. Is it a, is it a regular league game? I, have we just, played this team before? <laughs> it's uh, it's listen. The questions are open ended for that specific reason. Just to, this is a way for us to find out more about our guest. Um, I would say situationally, 
for me, it depends because it's kind of like a loaded question, obviously, like not having all the information. Um, but I would say for me personally, I want my teams, you know, to have a purpose in everything that they do, you know. Um, so if it's one nothing and 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 we feel as if maybe I don't know we've been on our heels the entire game or something like that then you know we're not necessarily going to sit in but maybe we don't take extra risks. I'm all for scoring goals. I've only been a front runner my entire career. You know, at every level I played at. So for me, that's what I wanted to do. You know, I barely played defense to be honest. <laughs> at the age of 41, I can now admit to that. I was more of the um, hunter of the ball, right up top. Um, but I mean, I think for me, it's just, it's a hard question to answer. Cause it just, it really, honestly, it depends on the situation. You know, if my team is full strength and, you know, it's just a regular league game and, and not necessarily a win that we need, but I wouldn't be careless. I wouldn't take risks and be careless if, if it's okay for us to go forward and, you know, we're trying new things and we're taking risks and we've worked on things at training and I say, go for it, then, you know, but it, it really just depends on the personalities of the player and, and knowing your team. If they show up and we had a great warm up and, you know, our goal didn't like bounce off someone's like, you know, nation toe and went in. I mean, if we'd been purposeful and, you know, confident I'd say let's keep going but it really just depends on me reading my players and knowing what they're capable of I would never send them into a situation where I felt as if um, you know they were unprepared number one or they couldn't get themselves out of it um, you know it's not about winning and losing for me it's about um, you know them being able to read the game use their soccer IQ um, and making the best decision as to what they feel they need to do I mean as much as my input and my advice matters uh, on the other side of that line I don't get to put a jersey anymore. I'm old and retired, unfortunately. I would give my left arm to play again. But for me, I need to just read the vibe of what is happening. I mean, I could stand up and, you know, have flares coming out of my hands as far as rah, rah, let's keep going, everybody. But it's, it's up to them, and it's, right. it's what I see as far as I'm concerned. Um, as long as we're winning, I, you know, I would say at least we can settle down a little bit. There's only five minutes left, but it, or it's just a hard question to answer. Situationally, I mean, it just really depends. I mean, are we even playing at home? <laughs> I listen. You and Kelly so far have given us the best answers for that. You're everybody welcome. else, everybody else, kind of just like goes in with it. Like Field said, uh, "Field, I, I really love Field's response." Field said, "I'm parking the bus five minutes in if I'm up or nothing." Uh, so that was uh, that was pretty funny, but. Absolutely. Beamer, we want to thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on, and it's been so much fun. Thanks uh, for having me. And I and I I love anytime we get to talk, uh, mostly because I learn something, uh, and I laugh, which is always <laughs> which is always a good thing too. It's important, especially nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So make sure you uh, make sure you go check out uh, Fort Soccer or Fort Collins Soccer Club uh arsenal check out their website they they do some amazing stuff uh i've gotten to visit their club before not only that they're also in a really really cool city uh fort collins is one of my favorite places in the world uh considering colorado is already one of my favorite places in the world fort collins is right there uh on top of that list so thanks so much for coming on beamer you're welcome thanks for having me nice to meet you Dwayne. nice to meet you too we're moving on to the Golden Boy Award, which is a, an award that uh, Tuto Sport or Tuto Sport, uh, it's an Italian outlet, 
puts out every year. Um, they, they start off with a list of 100 players under the age of 21. They just released a couple of days ago their list of 40 that will ultimately win this award. And just to give you an idea who has won this award before, uh, this award was won by Messi, Aguero, Pogba, Mbappe, um, Mario Balotelli. Just a you know little little some little good names. Yeah, some good names. Um, so some good names on this list. There's some really good names on this list. So I wanna I wanna see if we can figure out who would win. I wanna almost uh, put on a friendly uh, non-financial wager on 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 this. So and, and I'm only gonna read a few names just to because I think there's some that probably as as deserving as they are to be on this list, probably not going to win considering some of the competition they're against. But I mean, I, th- I think Dwayne has it pulled up as well. So Dwayne, if I miss somebody, you tell me, uh, but I'm reading off the list and who I think has a shot at it. Alfonso Davies has a shot at it. Serginio Dest, who's now rumored to possibly be going to Barcelona. So that's, that's pretty cool. American. Um, yeah. Another American player. Um, Ansu Fati, who we have talked about before. Phil Foden, who maybe after recent uh, behavior, maybe not so much. Uh, Mason Greenwood, who I'm assuming Anthony would, would really enjoy. Uh, I'm going to say go to Phil Foden. That all, don't. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's also not in the, yeah. Uh, Erling, Erling Halang, Haaland. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, he's got to be the favorite, right? Rodrigo from Real Madrid, uh, Sancho from Borussia Dortmund, uh, Bukayo Saka from Arsenal, and then uh, the last two that I thought were were cool. Sandro Tonali, I think, is a is a player to really look for. If you've never if you've never checked out Sandro Tonali, he's uh, he plays as a holding midfielder. He's legit. Uh, Ferran Torres, who just got uh, transferred over to Manchester City. And uh, Vinicius Jr., who has been around for a little bit, but I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say my my friendly wager for whatever it is that we decide to do. Uh, my friendly wager is going to be on either Ansu Fati or Haaland. Those are those are the two that I'm going with. Yeah, I I, I think it's I think it's Haaland. From Dortmund, like I don't think there's going to be a question. All the guy does is score goals. Davies might sneak in and take this because of his Champions League performance. Maybe. Like Holland had a strong year, but if you look at how Davies played, the the other part, yeah, I, I, but so if you think about this, so Holland is scoring goals for his national team too. So he's like starting. All no he way. does is score goals. If he has the ball in the box, he's putting it in the net. Yeah, he's he's a monster. All right. Well, if we're putting national teams in, and Davies, Davies loses. Well, the other thing about Davies is it. how stacked is Bayern, right? But so he's 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 asked to flourish. Like he's allowed to just flourish. Like top to bottom, Dortmund isn't anywhere near what Bayern is. Yeah, but you can't penalize a player for flourishing. I'm not saying you can't, but I'm just saying if, if you put Davies, world. if you put Davies on Dortmund, does he does he have the same success that Holland has? I don't he, know. He improves Holland's success. He makes Holland a better player. Uh, maybe they probably make both each other better players. 
I'm just upset that Ricky Pooch is not on this list, or Brendan, <laughs> or, or, or Brendan Aronson. What, what's oh, up with that? Oh, there you go. Well, I think I think the list in general, from what I can see, the list is only European clubs. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's part of it. But uh, but Ricky Pooch should at least be on it. Maybe he was in the list of 100 and got cut. I mean, but he's still young. I think he's only 18 or 19. So we got another year for Ricky Pooch to 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 win the award. And the same with like Gio Reyna too, right? Like he plays for Dortmund, got some time in. I think. No, Gio Reyna was on the was on the hundred and then didn't make the cut past that. So I think yeah, yeah, I think there's some guys. And 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 since Holland's kind of like made his explosion, I think Reyna's kind of looked out of place a little bit in the game in the Dortmund games that I've watched. A yeah. little bit disconnected. Yeah. Could be. Um so yeah, so I'm looking forward to figuring out. I'm not entirely sure. I think it, the, I think the award is um, uh, I think the award is is given out later in the year. So we'll we'll definitely keep following that. All right. So I want to move on to FIFA 21. So FIFA 21 comes out October 8th or something like that. Uh, but there was a recently a the gameplay has come out for some of the different different features. And one of the new gameplays is career mode. And we we previously discussed in one of the first episodes of the podcast about the role that FIFA could have in player development if, and if there is a role in it or not. So in the new career mode, which I think is pretty interesting, they've added some cool features that I think would would speak to the, the idea that you could tactic like learn some tactical things with the game. So used to be able to like so in career mode it was pretty straightforward you you either you know bought some players sold some players you played the games now they added an interactive match sim so if you didn't want to play a game you would just simulate the match and then it would give you a score based on whatever there's some random algorithm that the computer does inside the playstation xbox or whatever you played it in now they're doing an interactive one which allows you to do is you can almost watch the game as it's going on, like from a tactical board perspective. You can step in and out of the game in different scenarios. Like if there was a PK, you could step in to take the PK. You could take, you could do the tactical changes as the, the game is still being simulated. So I thought that was pretty cool because I think it'll give, uh, I think it'll add a different layer to it. So I'm looking forward to being able to play that considering all I play in FIFA is career mode. Uh, I'm looking forward to being able to be able to do that because <clears throat> it also might not be as time consuming as playing the games uh, on it all the time. The other part of it is that now there's a player development piece and a training schedule part. So before you could only like it gave you five or six days that you could do training sessions on and the, it, it didn't really there was really no rhyme or reason to it. It didn't translate into like how a real soccer club operates. Right. Now you can actually click on the schedule and add a rest day into your your schedule. So like let's just say you play on a Saturday. You can go in and add a rest day on Friday. You can play on Saturday. And on Sunday, you can do a recovery session. So you can do periodization into your career mode. Wow. Which, I, which I think I, I'm looking forward just to be able to play with that. Uh, just so I can, I, I just want to get the idea of it. So this is, there's a, there's a bunch of other features to it that I think are kind of cool, but those are the two things that I think based on the fact that we've had conversations about either FIFA or in general periodization and player development in general. Um, I think it's kind of cool. I, I'm looking forward to, 
to seeing how that. And it's it's, it's definitely awesome that they're they're making a point to get this terminology and get what U.S. soccer is trying to do out onto FIFA and get kids to learn at it, about it at a young age. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I think that like when you said it, Sebastian. Like when you add in the rest day and the recovery day, like imagine you know we look at our juniors program. We have a kid comes in and we say, hey, we have a recovery day. You say, hey, we're going to just, like, and they have the answer to what a recovery day is, just because of knowledge on FIFA, not because we've said it, but they already have that knowledge. And, like, <laughs> ups the ante, and we just, you know, help the players develop even more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were trying to figure out how this could be implemented. The, the answer might have just been given to us by uh, by FIFA 21, so it was a lot earlier than we expected. Or... Uh-huh. Or, or it maybe means somebody was listening to our podcast and very. Uh, I think uh, that is that is probably what it is. We have some free copies coming to us. At Marketing and analytics working on FIFA sponsorship. Yep. We got FIFA money coming. I'll take it. PS Five or Xbox Series X. There you go. All right, Duane has now upgraded from getting free T-shirts to getting <laughs> free game consoles. Man, that is an that's an upgrade. Hey, you gotta live you gotta pay the cost to be the boss. There you go. I like that. That's good. Um, all right. So the Premier League was back. Um the only thing that I thought was exciting was the fact that the Leeds Liverpool game was really cool and I enjoyed that. Um that was a that was and and I guess other some other clubs won and some other clubs lost, but I was really only my only vested interest in the Premier League last week was really the Leeds-Liverpool game. Uh, It it, it was an exciting game. It really was. Disappointing how Leeds lost the game, but yeah. uh, It also just proves the fact that Mohamed Salah is just amazing. Yeah. Like, he's just so good. Um, But in other other news that I think are extremely important, Anthony can give us a little bit more insight. Um, and we'll only touch on this briefly because there's still a lot of unknowns from at least from what I've gathered. So the Department of Education is that yes, the Department, Department of Education, of education yep. yesterday voted four to three to yeah. uh, allow um, high school sports to resume in the fall. Yes, they allowed high school sports to resume in the fall um, with a projected starting date for preseason to start September 28th. Um, Now, that doesn't mean all schools are going to be playing. Obviously, each district gets to make their own decision. I think there were a few districts that were leaning towards not playing, even if, you know, the DOE did um, uphold DIAA's decision. But I – you know, it was an interesting – I followed it a lot on Twitter after our session last night. It sounded like it was about a four-hour conversation going back and forth, a lot of concerns that were raised. I, I think there's still a lot of questions to be answered about, you know, how's transportation going to work? What can roster sizes look like? Just speaking for soccer specifically, um, will there be JV? Will there be freshman teams? Um, when are practices going to start? Because a lot of with, with the Zoom sessions, a lot of kids and, and they're, they're going till 3, 3.30 now. So instead of your typical 3, 3.15 start time where you're starting later, um, what are SSAs going to look like? How do like? I get to how, practice, right? Right, how do I get, how do I get to practice? Right? Tra- yeah, transportation is a big issue. There, there's going to be a lot of things. But I think, I think that it, personally it's – 
it's a good decision because, you know, COVID was going to be here it, come February anyways. COVID was going to be here in December when they plan to start winter sports. You're not going to know how to deal with it on this level until you actually go and you try it. And, and if the doctors say that it can safely be done under certain circumstances, as long as you're wearing masks, um, then, then I think, you know, it, it's, it's good to at least try it and see if you can work on it. And, and especially for the people in the spring, you know, now yeah, at least you get to try it and, and you try to make it work and, and see how you can master it so that those people who lost their sports in the spring last year can at least get them back this year. Yeah, no, for sure. I think definitely a lot of unknowns and a lot that we'll, we're still going to hopefully hear back soon. So, um, but it's something changing. It's again, this we're constantly Absolutely. new, new news every, every day. I feel like or every hour with, with all this stuff going on. So, uh, but yeah, we wanted to kind of touch on it a little bit. I'm sure we'll get more follow-ups and as the season begins to, to open up, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about high school soccer and we'll, we'll focus a little bit on that as well. So, yeah. All right. So player of the match award. Uh, I, I'm going to let you guys go first. Cause I think you guys have the same one. All right. Um, so Anthony Fontana, um, what a game, almost like his breakout game. At least we hope it was his breakout game. Right, right, Dwayne? I mean, what a performance. It's like a little super sub there. Yeah, I mean, Jim Curtin looks like a genius now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he comes in, he scored two goals, you win the game. I mean, it was a, uh, the, it was a, tight, it was a the, tight game back and forth, and a couple of times it looked like the Revs. The guy the, the, Anthony Fontana, man, every time they were in that attacking end, pull the trigger. And and the second goal was just a scream. Oh, yeah. And like what what a what a goal. And fun fact about Anthony, he doesn't know this. And I just found this out the other day. Is apparently I'm related to him. He's like my second cousin. He's like my dad's cousin's son. So oh, there's 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 a fun fact. There, there you go. go. You know, yeah. Italians got about a hundred family members that they've never met. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's a different story. So how related to him I am, I'm not sure, but he's somewhere on that family tree. There hey, you Sebastian. go. Hey, that's all that matters, right? Sebastian <laughs> had some uh, inside viewership to that game too, from a, a crowd perspective. Yeah. Th- that was weird. Like, did you see that? Uh, did you watch I saw, it? After- I saw you got tagged in it. I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. I never went back and looked at it because it was kind of strange. So Mark McKenzie, uh, not the player, the dad, Mark McKenzie Sr., started doing a live video, and I was happening to be on Facebook, so I clicked on it because I was like, oh, look, Mark is doing a live video. I wonder what he's doing. And he was in the stadium, and then all of a sudden, he, like, sends me, like, I, I think I was the only person watching. He sent me, like, a request thing, and I, I've, never, I've never done that. So I accepted it and just to see what happened. I was trying to figure out. And all of a sudden, there's my face in his live video as he's showing, <laughs> like, the start to the Philadelphia Union game. And I'm, like, just sitting there, and I'm, like, expecting to, like, talk with Mark. And he wasn't, re- he wasn't saying anything. So I'm just sitting there just looking at him, like, going, um, hi. Like, so I, like, I was in there for like 10, 15 seconds and then I clicked off because I was like, this is awkward. And I like turned. We, you know, we could have a whole podcast on just teaching Sebastian how to use social media. I think we could the podcast <laughs> to the next union game. I mean, I'm pretty good with technology. Social media just completely like went past me in this. 
Like the idea of like my brother-in-law does uh, live Instagram things and he brings people in because he sells shirts and he brings people in and that like they co-host things. I'm just like, I'm confused, man. Like I record a podcast. I've been on the radio. That's as far as I go with things like that. Um, I did do something that's pretty cool though. Speaking of podcasts and radio, uh, I told Anthony about it. I know Dwayne doesn't know this yet, but we are going to have some international notoriety pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was interviewed yesterday for about 25 minutes at Middletown Village by a radio host from Argentina um, about an Argentine. He has a segment that he does in all his social media and, and platforms, YouTube and all that stuff. He has a segment about Argentinians around the world. And he reached out about putting something together. Like, cause I, I have met him before I grew up listening to his radio shows. My parents grew up listening to his radio shows. My dad constantly like talks to him on, on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. I visited his radio show before. Um, so there's a connection there. So he like interviewed me for about 25 minutes at, while I was at Middletown village. Uh, so I had my phone there. We zoomed and he recorded the interview. So that'll, that'll be out in a couple of weeks. Uh, so that's, that was kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll get, we'll get a little bit of Argentinian uh, love there for Delaware Union. Making our way down to South America. And listen, if Boca Juniors comes calling after this interview, I'm out. Like, <laughs> just, just saying, if Boca Juniors gets a wind of that and like, oh, man, we love that guy. He looks awesome. He looks like he knows what he's doing. Um, then, yeah, like, I'm out. Oh, if, and, and, and Dwayne would happily take over the podcast. Uh, Dwayne's going to be my new assistant coach down in Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, see, Dwayne's Dwayne's in. Vamos, vamos, vamos! Yeah, Dwayne's in. Dwayne's in. <laughs> uh, I'm, I briefly mentioned it to my wife. I was like, "Listen, if this leads to something big, we're moving." And she was like, "Uh huh." Uh, <laughs> that was that was the response. <laughs> uh, that's that's awesome. So my player of the match uh, is Conrad De La Fuente. Uh, I think. Awesome. I got to I got to watch the highlights of what he did, and I and it's a and he's a player that I've never like I knew he was there. He was at the bar. He was at you know he's been at La Masia. He moved to Barcelona when he was ten because his dad was working in the Haitian consulate in Barcelona. Um, and uh, so I knew about him. Didn't really watch him play a whole lot. Uh, didn't really see like I know he played in the under twenty World Cup, but I didn't really see much of him in general. Sure. Um, but watching the highlights of what he did the other day against Granada, holy moly. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. He was – it almost – and, again, I'm not trying to compare or anything like that, but it almost looked like when Messi was starting out on the le- – but on the other side of the field. Messi always started on the right side. This guy's starting on the left side. Um, and the way he wanted the ball, the way he was – he almost played a really good assist – so I'm hoping that he gets minutes this year. No, he was spicy, right? Like, yeah, that, that's the best word to use. Like he was spicy. It was like he yeah. gave you a little taste, and it's like you kept you, you wanted him to keep doing more every time he got the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what was really cool about it was the fact that um, he's mentioned that he wants to be the first American to play on the first team at Barcelona. So there's definitely like. I don't, I don't foresee this being an issue because he hasn't played on the national team yet, so he can technically play for another country, uh, which I'm assuming at this point because he's been there for half of his life. 
I'm assuming he's he's probably or close to being a Spanish citizen. So actually, so I just looked it up. He is a Spanish citizen. So there you go. He's a Spanish citizen. So uh, you know, Berhalter. Berhalter oh. might make that call. Just all you need, all you need him for is one game. You just got to call him, and he just has to be in there for one game and like barely come in. Like, can we start? Can we start a a hashtag? Cap Conrad. <laughs> yeah. Cap yeah. De La Fuente. Cap De La Fuente. I like it. Yeah, I like that one. Hashtag Cap De La Fuente. Let's start that. Let's get that going. All right. The name of the name of the podcast. Cap De La Fuente. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Name of the episode. Cap De La Fuente. Boom. All right. So he's going to be added to the list with Ricky Poo, Chansu Fati, Brandon Aronson. Boom. De La Fuente is on the list. Young players to watch of the soccer podcast. Young players to watch. Be interested to see if Brendan Aronson's in Philly next season. Yeah, probably not. I I don't think so. Um, I think but, somebody swoops in and gets him. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, we are moving on to this day in history. So on this day in soccer history, because we were talking about Argentina before, and why wouldn't we? Because awesome. Um, and also, we were talking. We briefly mentioned. Boca Juniors, because again, why wouldn't we? Best club in the world. Um, so, on this day in history, September 18th, 1918. Okay, September 18th, 1918. Boca Juniors beats River Plate for the first time in official history. So, in, a, in an official match, not a friendly, an actual like official Argentinian league match, they beat him 1 0. In 1918. So. With wooden shin guards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure the ball might have been alive. <laughs> uh, so. They were, they, the minutes were counted by sundial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That would be funny if that's. Yeah. Oh, that's probably back in the days when referees or goalkeepers didn't wear gloves and they wore a cap. One of those caps. Uh, yeah. Back and I think back in those days, the Boca Juniors jersey was actually black and white. It wasn't even the, the blue and gold yet. So, so yeah, so. colors they didn't have colors back then. <laughs> it was a black. <laughs> Soccer jerseys were still in black and white. Yeah, it'd be interesting to go back and see what that game looked like in comparison to like nowadays. I can tell you that probably the the field was not not silky smooth it was probably, probably on somebody's farm it was probably bumpy no no it was in a stadium uh it was definitely in a stadium it was actually in the racing club stadium so it was definitely in a stadium but it might have been a bumpy stadium so yeah so 1918 there you go on this day in history and at this point i mean i think on this day in history is now just turned into argentinian day in history because uh, we've had a couple of those, but they're yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, they're fun. Like, I like I look <laughs> up other things. This is just what pops up. <laughs> if not, it turns into a birthday show, and I don't really want to do a birthday. Yeah, show. we definitely don't want that. No, I don't want. We did without ones, and that was kind of fun. So every once in a while, we'll do a birthday show. All right, fair play of the week, Dwayne. Who do you have? Uh, I'll, I'm shouting out all the men's national team players, or 
future national team players in Europe. Um, a lot of these guys are making big moves, getting into some big clubs. Um, we start off with Christian Pulisic going from Dortmund to Chelsea. He's number 10. We've got Weston McKinney at Juventus. Conrad getting some minutes with Barcelona. Sergio Nest possibly moving over to Barcelona being rumored there. Um, Anthony Robinson with Fulham. So just shout out to those guys for, you know, paving the way for the future um, of guys going overseas and making an impact at those clubs. Not just saying, hey, I have an American, but hey, I got an American that can play. Or I have an American that's the number 10, the best player on the team. Right. Tyler, we had Tyler Adams as well. Tyler Adams, yeah. Uh-huh. Don't forget about you, bro. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a, that's exciting. Um, and I mean, Weston McKinney already got his first, his first start with U of A. Uh-huh. Uh, in one of their friendlies, so um, so that's exciting for him. I'm I'm excited because it's only he's only there on loan technically from Wolfsburg, so uh, I'm excited to see. Oh, is he a Schalke? Wolfsburg. Schalke. Sorry, yeah, I think you're. Yeah, he's a Schalke. Sorry. John Brooks is at Wolfsburg. That's what it is. Yeah. So um, so I'm excited to see what what he can do in a year and see if Juve ends up, I th- I'm assuming he's got an, op- they have an option uh, to, to buy to, to buy him. So uh, I'm intrigued to see what they'll do. Um, I think I like him. He's a good, I think he's a, for his height, the position in the field that he plays, I think he brings a lot of, a lot of different things to it. And I think he'll play perfectly at Juve because uh, there's, they have other players like that in those positions. And I think he'll be, he'll be really good there. Uh, Anthony, do you have one? I don't. I don't have a fair play of the week outside of. Actually, I will give my fair play of the week to all the Discovery Program parents uh, because they follow the rules. So I got to watch that, and, and especially again, you're you're dealing you're especially for the two and three year old program. You are on the field with your with your player. Um, so, uh, you know, thanks for following the guidelines. Yeah, and uh, just just to go along with the discovery program, my uh, fair play of the week is going to be the uh, volunteer coaches that helped out with the sessions. I, I I know they think they probably don't do much, but their presence on the field is is comforting for those parents. Those to have those soccer minds, those volunteers, you know, just being on the field, interacting with their children, I think uh, provides a lot of relief for them. So thank you so much to the volunteers. Yeah, the players do truly enjoy it. Like I know that my daughter talked about it. Like they, they love the fact that they have a, another coach on the field. Somebody yep. they can look up to. So no, that's really exciting. Uh, make sure. Cause all of our pictures, we got a lot of likes this week. I'm very excited because we, we got a lot of likes on our Facebook and our Instagram and things like that because of our discovery program pictures. So make sure you follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Delaware reunion. Hit us up on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer and on Twitter at DE Union Soccer. Uh, make sure you, you go check us out on social media. Give us a like, follow us, uh, drop us a message. If there's something you want us to answer, if there's a question that you have about the podcast, if you have a free t shirt for Dwayne, if you want to buy Dwayne a PS5, uh, please let us know. I'm sure Dwayne will take a PS5. I would gladly take a PS5. <laughs> So we'll, we'll, and it's all in the, let's, let's put it in this perspective. It's all in the good of research. Like we will use it to research how to make players better. 
and I will also use it to socially distance be any kid that wants to play me in the club. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's how i sell it to my wife whenever i want to play fifa i'm like i'm researching this is research it's part of my job and her response is uh-huh so there you go <laughs> yeah well thanks for joining us this week and remember always receive the ball on your front foot